Welcome to this week's episode of Couch QBs, where Ben and I uh, talk about football from the only place that we've ever known, our couches. Uh, follow us at on Twitter at couch, couch underscore quarterbacks. I'm going to have to get that link right. I'll get it like, right le- later in the podcast. Um, look for us on other social media platforms coming up this week. Um, thank you for everyone who supported during the first episode. We really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And we're back here to talk about week two of NFL action. And we'll start off in Dallas, where we saw probably the craziest onside kick I think I've ever seen. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, you had to be an informed special teams. If there's anything that you need to do on special teams, it's know how the rules work. And you can touch <laughs> the ball before it goes 10 yards. Um, these are players who only get to play let's say 10 bounds of football a game and they don't know how the rules work. That's concerning if I'm the Falcons. Yeah. It's not a good look for Dan Quinn. That's for sure. No. And you just, it's unexcusable. They said that, they uh, they said after the game that it was because that the ball, when it's spinning like that, sometimes if you jump on it, it'll, it doesn't spin the way you think it's going to jump on it. It'll start going crazy. But I was like, why wouldn't you just like, aren't those dudes like six, four two forty? Like you can't jump on a football and just land on top of it. Especially when you have your hands teamed that. in there for an onside. <laughs> you should know that you should probably get on top of the ball before it crosses the 10 yard line. And you should just win the game. Yeah, you could win. Just win the game. Yeah, just win the game. <laughs> just and they get, just fail to do that. Well, if there's anything the Atlanta Falcons know what to do, it's how to choke away a football game. We've known that for years. Um, unfortunately for Falcons fans, they know it very well, and the jokes keep coming to them. But they just keep doing things like this, and the the jokes are just every. It's just going to keep coming back up every single and I, game. And I hate to subscribe time. to the fact that the Falcons are chokers because they are a legitimately good team. That just needs to know needs to learn how to finish a game out. Yeah. Because this is the second really, really bad one. This is and I know it's a worse I believe it was a worse comeback than the Super Bowl, but it's not. This is the second worst, I think. Yeah. Because when you lose in the Super Bowl like the way that they did, that's painful. But week two isn't as bad. No, not obviously. Has yeah, no, not it's chance. not. It doesn't feel as bad, but it's just kind of like the. Uh, it's a reminder. It's like, here we go again. You know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I think Julio Jones. I I I place a lot of blame on Julio Jones for only having two catches in twenty four yards. Yeah, you came at me with a a hot Julio Jones take on Sunday, actually. I, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> you said, no, Amar, would you rather have Amari Cooper or Julio Jones? I was like, wow, I've never even considered that as a question in my life, I don't think, until now. Neither had I until – Both I Alabama wide receivers, game. by the way. Correct. But anyway. Because I, I had never considered that either until I looked at the box score after the game had finished, and I saw that Julio Jones had a grand total through four quarters of football, two targets, and 24 yards – yeah. Well, on the opposite deal. side of the football, you have Amari Cooper with six catches for a hundred yards. Yeah. And a fifty-eight yard um catch as well. And well, it kind of looks like 
Calvin Ridley's like been taking over as the top target for Atlanta. He's been a stud for the first through first two weeks. He's tied for the uh, receiving the receiving yards lead right now with Stefan Diggs. So he's been killing it. And maybe maybe Julio's just getting. I mean, he's he is getting up there. He's over. He's a ob over thirty wide receiver now at this point. So. Correct. And I'm not saying that Julio Jones's career, like Amari Cooper's career is better than Julio Jones's career yet. But if I'm looking at which player I'd rather have and the upside that they could have in the future, I think I might take Amari Cooper. Yeah. Did because you notice? I think that Julio Jones is just has a tendency to be hurt, doesn't perform necessarily well on the red zone, and that's just red flags for me. I think you're onto something, but I also think that Amari Cooper by the end of the year might not even be the best receiver on his own team because CeeDee Lamb was their leading receiver in this game with 106 yards. So I, I just – but also Julio might not be the best receiver on his team anymore. So we might just be talking about two number two receivers at this point by the end of the year. Um, and the, the, the thing, two young the thing guys about, might be overtaking him. I know, but the thing about Julio that – is kind of underrated. I think that he might, he may still have the Calvin Johnson effect where yeah. he gets doubled every, like most of the time. And you look for the under route. Who's that going to be Calvin Ridley? Yeah. So, I mean, take that as you will, but cause that used to be golden Tate on the lions when they had Calvin Johnson, because Calvin Johnson was catching every single double team and golden Tate was always open. Yeah, definitely. The attention's still all, mostly on Julio in that offense. So Calvin Ridley's got a little more free reign than if he was like a true number one receiver, but that dude's Correct. a stud too. Uh, He's did you good. Know, He's legitimately good. Did you know Julio Jones's name is actually Quintoris? Because I just learned this from Pro Football <laughs> Reference. I didn't know that until now. No, I had no idea his name was Quintoris. <laughs> Quintoris Lopez Jones. That's Julio Jones. Well, Quint- I hope Quintoris has a better week two than he did a week one. That is for sure. And uh, the Falcons, week three. Yes, week three. (laughs) And uh, he didn't have a good week, too. Um, But, yeah, there was a lot of – at least for me, I had a a little bit of optimism for the Falcons this year. I thought they'd be – they are a high-scoring team. I knew they'd be able to score points, but it just doesn't look like they've uh, learned from their mistakes. And for the Cowboys, it doesn't really look like they learned from their mistakes either. They just kind of got lucky and faced a team that was uh, more – more prone to fucking up than them, I guess. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I'll, I'll say, what do you think they talked about at the half? They got that, the little fire under Dak Prescott. I, because yeah, I checked my fantasy score. I have Dak Prescott and I checked it out for the first half and I was like, what's going on? This is bad. And then the second half, he just lit it up. I think that's just – I honestly think that's just the Atlanta Falcons effect. <laughs> I think it's just like, oh, we, this team's actually not good at football on defense. I can light them up. And and also, the Cowboys in that position, it was desperation mode. Like, they, you can't be 0-2 as the Cowboys. And then going to Seattle, that they, they would have been, been toast after that. So it was yeah, good, and good performance and, by attack. Yes. And, I, and the funniest thing is – you know what we're not talking about of either these teams? Yeah. Their defense. No, no, we shouldn't be either. No <laughs> shot. <laughs> I think that both these teams' defense may just be non-existent. Because, yeah. I mean, you just look at this game. I mean, it's a shootout, 39-40. They're just scoring points. So, take it for what you will. 
Speaking of a non-existent defense, the Houston Texans got absolutely demolished this week uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. And the score, I don't even think the th- they lost 33-16, and I don't even think that score represents how lopsided this game was from start to finish. Um, should we be worried about the Texans? So I'd like to open up with an apology saying that to bet the over, because I was <laughs> riding on 49 and a half. <laughs> And they finished at 49. That's brutal. The Texans have legitimate concerns, but at the same time, you need to realize that the first two teams that they played were the two best teams in the AFC. Yeah. They They didn't play the Bills. (laughs) Sorry, I had to get it. At least the top two teams in the AFC. So give them a bit of a break, but at the same time, like you would, you really hope that they put it together could want, like their offense and I, I that's that's you know i mean you're playing the chiefs and ravens in the first two weeks is obviously it's a terrible terrible thing to look forward to like yeah they saw that schedule probably were like nfl what the fuck are you guys doing to us like why would you why would, especially with no preseason like that team was not ready for those two types of big games, but I would at least want like one of those games to be a one score game, like at least put some fight into it. At any point in either of those games, did it feel like the Texans were threatening, you know? And it's cool. just a, it's a disappointment for Deshaun. I just, and, and I agree, but I think when you look around, look at what Deshaun has to throw to. Nothing. And I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to the getting rid of. Oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank. DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. And you look at who the number one guy is, it's Will Fuller. Guess how many catches Will Fuller had? How many? Zero. <laughs> None. Oh my God. And I just think his options, as far as passing go, are just so limited in that you look to run it and you have David Johnson. Mm-hmm. 11 and, for 34. <laughs> and like, what? So, like, what do you really working with here and i just think that and it's i think it's just the bill o'brien effect once again of being the, the coach and gm a coach being the gm i think that first you need to be established as a coach and then be established as a per- person who understands personnel and then be a gm and i don't know if bill o'brien went through any of those steps before he was declared to be the coach and the gm at the same time yeah because you just look at who he has to throw to and like, Will Fuller shouldn't be your number one guy. No, he's not. He's not a number one guy in any real offense. And and Brandon Cooks is washed up. Randall Cobb is pretty washed up. Kenny still is washed Randall up. Cobb now? <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's he's he's got to be 30. He's, uh, he's 30. He's 30 right now, but it's a, it's definitely a lot of miles on that 30 years. He's been in the league since 2011 and he's, I mean, he had 900 yards in his second season with Green Bay in 2012. That's eight years ago. That's a long time from since yeah. being. Yeah, uh, and, and with and with no real rushing attack, I just think that this team looks is in a in a bad spot. But their defense is getting eaten alive by two of the best offensives offenses that like be yeah. on the field this season. It's a tough ass. It's a tough ass to start for the defense. Um, and I mean, I we we wish there was just a little bit more fight from that team but especially you have to consider too we're talking about the going back to talking about the Texans offense they were also playing the number one defense in the league at, against the Ravens too so it's just brutal brutal yeah. but don't forget you have Marcus Peters out there just picking off passes who has the high 
And fun fact, in Madden, he has the highest catch rating of any cornerback. Oh, wow. Marcus Peters. So he's going to be a ball-hawking cornerback. Yeah, and they get so much pressure that those corners can just basically do whatever they want the whole time. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, it's not really fair for the Texans. Yeah. Uh, at and their this defense point. has to defend Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and don't forget the other Heisman winner, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> and Gus Edwards was actually the running back who got most of their carries this week too, which is the craziest thing, is that they didn't even use those two guys as much, and they were still just as effective. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens going forward with the Texans there. We're keeping an eye on them just because I just, I, I feel badly for Deshaun. Deshaun. Yeah. And they have huge, they have, they go to Pittsburgh this week. Like they, like what the hell NFL? Like, all right. Yeah. You, here's your, uh, here's your break from the Ravens and chiefs. You get the, the best rejuvenated. The yeah. The best defense in the league and a rejuvenated big Ben in Pittsburgh. Have fun. So it might, it's, it's not looking good in, in, h-town right now for the texans moving on let's go to another afc team uh afc power that lost this week actually the new england patriots on sunday night football losing 35 to 30 to the seattle seahawks and the story of this game was obviously russell wilson um he's the mvp candidate through two weeks he's been outstanding but i think the patriots might they might be back. <laughs> they might be fine. Cam looks like a Cam. Cam looks like his old self finally. Yeah, I mean, this isn't this obviously a loss for the Patriots, but at the same time, putting up three points and it coming down to a final play, I don't think this is a loss for the Patriots morally. Yeah, but because the I think the Seattle Seahawks are the. After the Saints lost, I think the Seattle Seahawks are one of the, the – they might be the best team in the NFC. So I think that you need to take this with a grain of salt because you took them down to the wire, down to the absolute last play with probably the best team in the NFC. So I think that's like a lot should be said. But I also want to note – like we should note that Russell Wilson is a legitimate MVP candidate because when you look at like – the talent that he works with. I mean, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are both like good receivers, but I wouldn't say like well, jump out DK, at any point. DK might be, he might be making a jump this year right now. That he should. Good. He, it looks like he, I mean, last week, he, the last couple of weeks, he's looked like a, a dominant receiver and kind of the guy that they, uh, they want, they imagined coming out of college. Yeah. And the amount of teams that pass on DK Metcalf is just, astounding to me yeah. because he is 40 times good but he can't run cones like are you kidding me come on yeah <laughs> he doesn't great side to side but like look at him i mean sometimes it's i it hate to say like it, but you gotta have like coaches the overthink test. themselves yeah coaches overthink all the time they always overthink these guys and it's like if you're a good coach like that's something that you could teach dk metcalf like how to run yeah. routes like if you have a good i mean just look at coach, the guy yeah, like that, like, <laughs> like it's that easy sometimes. <laughs> you look at him, you're like, yeah, that dude could probably play wide receiver in the NFL and be good. That that's a safe assumption you should be able to make. And he looks, and he's he's making the Seahawks look smart. And it looks like Russ. I mean, Ru- we know Russ loves throwing to Tyler Lockett, but it looks like he's building more of that chemistry with DK this year that they started on last year. And they're they're a dangerous 
dangerous, dangerous team in the NFC right now. I agree. And I also think that Cam Newton is probably the most underpaid quarterback in all of football at the moment, because I mean, looking what at, I saw that he was getting paid less than Matt Schwab. I don't think yeah. Matt Schwab is even a backup quarterback at this point. <laughs> I don't know what team he's the on. The king of pick sixes himself. Yeah, so I don't know if he's <laughs> maybe on a practice squad somewhere or maybe just he's still getting paid. But the I, fact that he's getting paid more than Cam Newton is just astounding to me. Yeah, and that's what it's like one of those things like what again, like NFL coaches overthinking. Like you none of these teams wanted Cam as a backup or something. Like he wasn't value that valuable. Like clearly he can he, clearly he's a top tier starter still in the league as long as he's going to stay healthy. Here's, so you need, here's all you need to hear. Bill Belichick trusted him to carry the last ball of the game. Yeah. Now, obviously, it didn't go in, but still, having Bill Belichick putting, letting it all ride on you is a huge sign of respect, I think. And he threw for almost 400 yards. When's the last time Tom Brady threw for almost 400 yards? It's, it's not like they were like lighting it up. When's the last time Tom Brady rushed for 47? <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just a new – like they have such a new dynamic on that offense. They're, they're, they're scary. They're, they're going to be scary. They're not going anywhere. They're, they're the Pats, and we should, we sh- everybody should have expected that they would be competitive in all these games because they're just – Do they win the division? I hope not. Um, I'm definitely – I've been very wary of the New England just because the respect level for the whole year and seeing them play like that on Sunday night was uh, a little more terrifying. But they also threw – got a pick six right at the beginning of the game. That gives them a score, and they're down 12 with four minutes left. So as good as it does look, you can also spin it and look at it another way and be like, well, you take they away that pick up. six. They did clean it up, but you take away that, and they're down – you're down 35-16 at the end of it or whatever. I mean, you can't say that that's how the game's going to work out. But just in general, it's just maybe that the score makes it look like they had a better performance than they did. But the 397 looks good. Um, and the But the defense didn't look great, obviously. But, I mean, Russell Wilson is – I think he's just going to eviscerate every defense he comes in contact with this year. So I don't think they can hold their hats too much on that one. Moving on – to another NFC West team that looks very impressive to start the season and looks like they're back on track. The LA Rams went into Philly and it kind of felt like a must win game for Philly because I mean, starting 0-1, losing the the football team. And then you got the Rams coming in the way the Rams looked week one. And I guess I expected a little more desperation from Philly, but I think the Rams might just be too good for that. And they really just dominated that game from the outset. And, is Jared Goff is he back? Like, is he is he is he a good quarterback again? Are we back on the Goff bandwagon or what's going on here? I don't I didn't so get the memo QBR, this week. Jared Goff, I doubt, I'm just now seeing this. It's kind of like blowing my mind right now. Two forty two QBR or one forty two. Oh my god, one forty two QBR. Twenty of twenty seven with two hundred sixty seven passing yards, three tutties. Only took one sack. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And this offense is just plays so quick. I love how quick this offense plays. I'm never bored watching a Rams game. No, they're they're electric. They and that was what was missing last year is that they were like from two years ago when they made the Super Bowl, the offense was just lights out. We all remember that 
Chiefs Rams game where everybody was just like, wow, it was like the greatest football game we've ever seen. Um, that often it looked like something was like missing with that team last year, and maybe it was girly, like maybe it was just trying to get it involved. And I legitimately think it was. They didn't have a, like the rushing attack so important to them, and now they have yeah. a group of backs that can really they get the job done. I mean, they're not yeah. anything special, but they get the job done. Yeah, and I think that last year, I think Sean McVay was still lean, trying to lean on Todd Gurley a lot, and I think that Todd Gurley having arthritis in his knees was hurting that i think mm-hmm. that he just wasn't made to do that i think that this year i think that he's just figured it out and said you know what screw it we're just gonna like we're gonna push guys down the field we're gonna play two-minute offenses when you don't expect it and just keep the pace up and it's working out this this team is so much fun to watch i love watching the Rams play yeah, and they're just they're loaded. I mean, they just got so much talent all over the field. But besides golf, golf playing well. I mean, the receivers we know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are are studs. Tyler Higby three touchdowns. Um, he's having a coming out season. It looks like at tight end, which people were expecting. And on defense, I mean, just Aaron Donald is just a beast. <laughs> he really just like he you if you're watching a Rams game, it's you can't, it's impossible not to notice Aaron Donald on the field every single time on defense. Throwing guys around. Don't forget about Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, well, that's what. Yeah, and then you have Jalen Ramsey at, in the secondary, and just everywhere in between. Michael Brockers on the line. You know, Leonard Floyd. Like they're they're so deep on the line, and they're not deep in the rest of the defense. But just such high talent. It's 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 kind of like amazing that they weren't good last year. I mean, they were still good. They were nine and seven. It's not like they weren't good. And that's when, when you don't make the playoffs team, everybody just kind of throws you to side. Assumes that you're not good. Yeah. yeah. But the, the Rams were in it all the way until the end of last year. It was a letdown from a Super Bowl year, which always happens. But it kind of looks like they've uh, they found their mojo back. And they, for the Eagles, it looks like they don't have – I mean, we do this with the Eagles every year, right? Like the year that they won the Super Bowl was – I think it was it's just as shocking because – it was felt like the same Eagles team we get every single year during the whole year. And then it just turned it on in the playoffs. But Carson Wentz might not be the guy for them at this point. Um, I think you I still just, need to, I think you still need to go with him though. I think they, that, I mean for now. Yeah, for sure. Like they're not, they're not going to bench him or anything this year. Like he's going to get to go the whole year and everything, but it just, there's something that just doesn't click with him. And I don't know if he's a I don't know if he's a leader, and I don't know if he takes you to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they have good weapons either. I mean, they're relying on Deshaun Jackson as their number one receiver right now, basically. And that dude, he was the number one receiver six years ago, not not in twenty twenty. No, I mean, so who's your next best receiver? Zach Ertz. Ertz, who's mad at who's in a contract dispute and not fully focused. Yeah, he's probably your best receiver. They have a rookie wide receiver who's, you know, you never know what you're going to get with rookie wide receivers, Jalen Rieger. And Miles Sanders, who's who was healthy last week, he had 95 yards rushing, good a good game. Carries. A bad fumble in the game too, and he didn't look like he had as much burst as he usually does. He's just coming back from an injury too, so they're they're hurting still. And that's I mean, not, not ignored the fact that they gave him 20 20- Runs and seven targets receiving. So they're trying to lean on Miles Sanders this year, clearly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. He's he's going to be their offense. He's going to be the engine for them. Clearly. I mean, like, who else do they have to lean on? 
Nobody. They can't. Unless it's Carson making plays, and it doesn't look like the first couple weeks, it doesn't look like he's do in that mode this year. QBR rating of 56. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. Uh, you can't win a football game like that. You can't win a football game going 26 to 43 usually. I mean, that's no, just, absolutely it's not. just not efficient. And that's the thing about Carson. He's He can make amazing plays and he can have these amazing games, but he's not an efficient quarterback, especially over the course of a season. Um, so we'll see. The NFC East is a mess as it usually is. And I really expected more out of the Eagles this year. I expected them to compete with the Cowboys in that division. And I mean... The cow, not that the, maybe they will because they're going to be all eight and eight again. That's the way it's kind of shaping up. If that that Cowboys defense doesn't figure it out and Carson Wentz doesn't figure it out, neither of those teams are going to be very good for the entire year. Um, let's go forward to the Monday night game, the last game uh, of Week Two, where the Saints were upset by the Las Vegas Raiders in their brand new beautiful stadium on the Strip there. Um, what stood out to you from this game, man? I hate to say it, but I think it's Drew Brees' arm in the second half. And really? I just don't I just don't I want him, I want the Saints to be a Super Bowl contending team. But if Drew Brees can't throw a ball past 20 yards, are they, you I don't think you can compete for a Super Bowl if you can't throw the ball deep. Yeah, I that's that's been something people have been worried about going into the year was, I mean, at the end of last year, it looked like the breeze was kind of losing that velocity, kind of losing something on it. And at the end of that game, it just, they looked like they ran out of steam. <laughs> like they really did. And it was weird to see because the Raiders, like the Raiders were just in control the whole, like, and I know that they, that New Orleans got out to a quick lead and everything, but it, it never felt watching that game for whatever reason. It never felt like the Raiders were out of it, and it never felt like the Raiders were off schedule. If that makes sense, like they no, that makes the, sense. The Raiders were always doing what they wanted to do. What the they game. were supposed to be doing. They knew. Correct. They knew. They knew New Orleans was going to get points. Like you're not going to stop New Orleans. They're too good. They've got too much talent. But just the way that they controlled the ball, uh, Derek Carr looked awesome. I mean, not what I ever expect from Derek Carr. It wasn't even a great Josh Jacobs game from them. It was really, it was really the Derek Carr show outperforming Drew Brees, which is just not, not what I was expecting to see. And the, I mean, kudos to the Raiders, kudos to John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They've built this team in the last couple of years, and they were a joke when they were, and they were a running joke when they first got hired. People were ready to just pile on to the Raiders, and they, they look like they've got a pretty damn good squad, and uh, they're two and zero, and I. No one's, I don't think, expecting them to win the AFC East because there's a another team in that division. If anybody's heard of them, but AFC West, sorry. But could they? Do you think that they have a chance to, you know, compete with the Chiefs? Is there when they when we get a Chiefs Raiders game in the next couple of weeks? What are you expecting to see from something like that? I don't see the Raiders beating the Chiefs. <laughs> I just don't. I I, I know that. <sighs> The momentum, maybe, but I, I, I just don't see it. It's I only think a that couple they, weeks away. I think that this was a perfect game for the Raiders because I, I think that with having Michael Thomas out, first of all, he hurt the Saints so much on offense. I don't want to like let's not forget that Michael Thomas isn't playing. Mm-hmm. So Michael Thomas is yeah, he's their offense. He is literally their like their. And I think offense. people forget that how much Drew Brees leans on Michael Thomas. Yeah. 
and like feeds him passes. Michael Thomas doesn't not drop passes that are thrown to him. Mm-hmm. And I just think that when you give the Raiders and the, and the Saints defense isn't great. And I think the Raiders just never got out of tempo, never got out of just the rhythm of their offense. But I think if you have a team that can throw them off their rhythm and a team that can control the ball better than the Saints did this week, I think that they would run into more issues. You yeah. Know, you give them some hard you're plays not, here and there. You can't expect Derek Carr to be slinging the ball around like that every week. Maybe you can. Maybe maybe he's turned it up a notch, but history has showed that he's not going to be able to you know, be dueling in with quarterbacks every week yeah. like that. And I mean, this is, I mean, he's playing like pre, like, because Derek Carr, before he hurt his leg, was a legitimately, I used to think he was a really good quarterback. And it came back after he hurt his leg. And I just, he didn't have it. Mm-hmm. But before that, I thought he was legitimately good. And well, that, yeah, they, I mean, they I, went 12 and four that year and he looked great and they looked yeah. like a very And then he very also good had Amari Cooper mm-hmm. going back to Amari Cooper again. But I mean, he's found some chemistry with Darren Waller, clearly. Yeah, and Henry Ruggs is a stud. That guy oh is going gosh. to be a great receiver in the NFL. And they didn't even—they didn't even find him on that game. No, they didn't. But he—you, there were just times where he was running, and they—they they missed him on a deep ball the one time, and there's just—he just—he he beats he guys off the line. Yeah, he looks dangerous, and they will—they will find ways to get him the ball during the year, and it's—it's going to be scary. We're going to learn a lot about the Raiders the next couple weeks. They have—they uh, go to New England, host the Bills at the Chiefs, host the Buccaneers the next four games. So that's yeah, a, they'll be tested. They, they, we'll, we'll know a lot more after the next couple weeks. And then the, the next game, if you want, the next, the fifth game is at Browns. So we'll, that might maybe <laughs> test wait. Maybe test. So now it's time for this week's fanboy corner here where we and Ben get to take our opportunity because it's our podcast and talk about our own teams. Let's start off with the Thursday night game. The Brownies snuck away with a, a victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, 35 to 30. Um, it was the Joe Burrow show, really, the whole game. That's what at least Twitter was acting like it was just the Joe Burrow show. But the Browns, uh, it was some encouraging signs from the Brownies. What did you like to see? Or what did you like that you saw from that game? Thank God. Thank <laughs> God. If we lost to Cincinnati, I would be so upset going 0 2. And I have nothing to look forward to the rest of the season. Seeing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for over 200 yards rushing is what I want to see every single week. Yeah. I know it's not possible, (laughs) but seeing them have 30 plus runs between each other is what we legit, we should be doing every week. Yeah. Because Baker Mayfield, I hate to say it, but is not the greatest passing quarterback. No. Well, so here's the thing. We are a run. We need to be a run first team. The, what we were just talking about with Derek Carr about being off schedule, I think that's the most important thing for the Cleveland Browns this year is to keep Baker on schedule. Don't make Correct. him. And I think if Baker Mayfield coming out of these play actions, especially when you establish the run early in the game, you can set Baker Mayfield up for these play actions that are very tempo based and very rhythm based <laughs> plays that are kind. I hate to say, but they're easy passes, easy breakdowns of defenses, and they're not very hard. And that's yeah. where you see him throwing some touchdowns and looking like a competent quarterback. He doesn't need to look like an all-star because he's not an all-star quarterback. But seeing him just make the make the right passes and make the right decisions, I think is the biggest thing 
for the Cleveland offense. But I will also note that it's it's Cincinnati. We played Cincinnati. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going to get too excited. It's pretty easy to stay on schedule against the Bengals. And it, you could tell – here's the thing about the Browns. You play week one against the best defense in the league. The best team, probably one of the, probably the best roster overall in the league. But if they're the best team, whatever. But talent wise, from top to bottom, the Ravens are probably the best, most talented roster, most and the deepest roster, and especially that defense. And you have no preseason, and you have to go on the road and play that team. It, I, I think, it, it, it was it, it's nice to pile on because everybody loves to pile on the Browns, and they got blown out. And it was like, oh, same old Browns, blah blah. But like, what team would have done well in that situation, really? Who's, who would have done well going into Baltimore? Kansas City. Kansas City, maybe. And like we, we'll see this week. Maybe Kansas City gets blown out by them, too. Yeah. Like Including not the Texans. <laughs> not to, yeah, like the Texans. <laughs> they got 10 more points. Congratulations. Uh, you so have who's to, better you have, Browns than the Texans? <laughs> <laughs> which, well, I think the difference in that game, the 10 more points, is just your uh, quarterback position, which would be why I would give the nod to the Texans probably in that. But – um, th- we shouldn't be discounting the Browns fully yet um, because of that running, like you said, that running game and their defense, once they start getting healthier again, should be better and should um, hopefully not let up 30 points to a bad team. Like the, yeah. Giving like the up Bengals. that many points on defense is bad, mm-hmm. but I, I was loving the um, Thursday night um, glory that we were getting at the number one and number two running backs. They said we had the best quote unquote, the best one, two punch in the league with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think that's, I mean, I don't know how I don't you know could if that's accurate. That. I don't know if you could argue that though. Those cause Kareem Hunt is a former rushing leader. And he could start on most teams. Yeah. He'd be the number one on most teams in the league. I, I would, if he was on my team and that we're talking about in a minute, I would, he would be the number one running back there. And those are two damn good running backs that are there too. I mean, he's, you're it's an embarrassment of riches at running back position but unfortunately in the nfl you get down seven nothing ten nothing in these games your running back position basically becomes non-existent um and it's basically all on your quarterback i mean you're still gonna be able to run the ball mix it in there but it's it's asking a lot more for baker in those situations to do something um and he didn't have to do as much this 16 to 23 for 219 and two tutties that's that's where you want him you don't want him throwing you don't need him throwing 30, 40 passes a game, 25. But, yeah. I mean, let, let the record show. I, I bet on him to throw at least one pick that game. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's due. He's always due for it. He's he really correct. Is. Somebody said on so, a podcast the other day, it might've been Bill Simmons. It was some football podcast I was listening to um, that Gardner Minshew is basically what they thought Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield would be. Correct. Yeah, is that, was that Bill Simmons? I, th- I believe it was Bill Simmons yeah. regarding my take. Yeah. And I never thought about I hadn't even thought about it like that. But yeah, like I like in his offense in Oklahoma, it was a lot of on schedule stuff, a lot of timing stuff. But it, I thought he had a little more ability to just make plays on his own. He just he just doesn't. An elite That's team. okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think the team I think in the NFL those guys get tired of his shtick. You know what I mean? They're like, you you gotta prove it before. Oh, you, you mean the progressive commercials? <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of the Hulu commercials. Actually, the mini Baker Mayfield. That's Baker that's May- the one. Baker Mayfield versus the Ravens was mini Baker Mayfield. <laughs> the way he threw that ball too. That's exactly oh, what he looked don't like. Don't get me started. Ugh. but it was. I I I'm encouraged for your brownies. I I'm still holding out hope, and they've got the football team this week, and I don't think that's going to be an issue for them at all. 
We'll see. We'll see. Um, and moving on in our fan corner. corner here, my corner, uh, right along the Great Lakes here, the Buffalo Bills um, beat the Miami Dolphins 31-28. to And Josh Allen had another coming out party. I don't really know if you can even call it that at this point, if it's a coming out party. I think he's just playing up to his potential for the beginning of this season. And it's kind of incredible to watch because I've never seen a good quarterback on the Buffalo Bills in my lifetime. Um, But 417 yards, four touchdowns. Look at Stephon Diggs, for Christ's sake. Well, yeah, and that's what we're going to get to is the difference is that they've also never had a receiver like this on their team. Um, The best receiver I remember is – on the Bills is T.O. for one year, and they were terrible that year, but it was fun to watch T.O. for the one year. Um, but Stefan Diggs, eight catches, 153 yards, touchdown. Um, you go back and watch his highlights. There's two catches that he goes up in double coverage and snags it. He has a, a deep ball that he catches. It was it – was, Josh Allen was dominant, but it was really a dominant performance by Stefan Diggs. Yeah, and I think that what they needed the most was someone who could go and run a seam route that Josh Allen could throw to. Because mm-hmm. Josh Allen, obviously, like everyone, he's known for having an arm. But last year, who do they really have that could go out there and go and well, catch he them? Missed, he missed a lot of throws last year, too. And that's the thing. Well, the, John Brown was great last year, but he's not, he's not, not just the deep threat guy. And that's what everybody thought of him as because he's, I mean, he's fast. And that's no, what he was yeah. used as. But John Brown's a great route runner. And that's how that's his proper role. Diggs is the guy you send down the field. But the thing is, they're not even running like normal seam routes with Josh. It's this. It's this weird like, like if Diggs is set up at the left side of the offense, he's running like a, like it's a start as a seam, and then it's just a huge crossing route all the way across the deep field, and Josh will just drop it into his arm like on the right side of the field around the numbers somewhere and like throwing over his body. And yeah. And I, I agree. I think, it, I think Josh Allen's worked on his touch a lot. Oh yeah. You can tell that. I mean, there were so many throws in that game, just the throw, they go down 20 to 17 in this game at one point and, or no, no, this is, I'm thinking of uh yeah, no, they go down 20 to 17 at one point in this game. And the first play that they call is a 40 is the 47 yard pass to Diggs, And it was, it was a throw that last year I watched Josh Allen overthrow the receiver by 10 yards or throw out of bounds. And it was right over the defender, dropped right into Diggs. Diggs made a nice catch on it too. It was a little bit um, outstretched, but it's just a, it wasn't in his arsenal last year. It wasn't even like you didn't even consider that kind of throw when the Bills were playing. Like you weren't just weren't expecting to see it. And so it's just it's really nice to see the growth um, of a quarterback over the last couple of years. Cause that's really what I mean. Fun. Yeah. Like he was <laughs> his fresh, his freshman, his rookie year. Like he couldn't throw the ball for shit, man. Like he was just running. Like, and it was awesome to watch him run, but it was like, man, how about, never... how about him putting that guy in the dirt? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the stiff arm was absolutely unbelievable. Like there's who, no reason who, who your quarterback. Stiff arm? He should be cut. He should be because that's a line. You you just got stiff on by a quarter. That was a linebacker coming up to make a play. I don't know who it was, but he just and got, got obliterated. And then the next guy, even that he even if he tackled him, Josh lowered his shoulder into him and pushed him forward and got like two extra yards. Yeah, I think Josh Allen has sneaky strength because he just looks tall. Well, he's huge. He's but I think like, what, 
he yeah, but I think that like he looks tall. But when when a guy tries to tackle him, I think that he has this weird strength that comes out of nowhere. Well, he'll just put you in the dirt. He's six five two thirty seven. That's not that's not an easy guy to take down. That's a that's a tight end you're trying to tackle, basically playing quarterback. I love to watch it. It is. It's. I mean, it's. He's. It's fun to watch. Like he's a fun. He's he's always been a fun quarterback to watch. You because you never know what you're gonna get half the time. That's <laughs> why. But if you were gonna get, you know. 400 yard I, I haven't seen I don't know I couldn't tell you the last time I think they said the last time a 400 yard Bills quarterback at a 400 yard passing game was Drew Bledsoe and I was like five years old then so really like that it had in Buffalo the quarterback play has been missing forever and it's been obviously everybody knows that and so it's just whatever happens this year whatever he ends up with his stat line however it ends up the fact that they have a guy that can just go out and even have the potential to do this is such a vast improvement on what they've had in the past that you can't help but just be you can't help but be happy with it for the first couple weeks excited it's an exciting team it's exciting and they've got a big game this week too and it's nice to have big games again all right so we'll move on to our own two teams we want to talk about here quickly um to see it's a it's very unlikely in the nfl if you go zero and two that you will make the playoffs. I don't remember the percentage off the top of my head. I wish I would have thought of that before. But 0-2 teams do not rarely make the playoffs. And so we have a group of them right now, and we're going to just run through and uh, discuss quickly which teams we think have a realistic shot at 0-2 to still make the playoffs and which teams we think are done. Um, The first three teams we have on this list we know are completely done. Uh, New York Jets, no shot. No shot that's happening. Um, sorry, Sam. Sam, poor Sam Darnold, man. He's just he didn't even have a shot. Mono man. Mono man. Yeah, he's just. I mean, that was definitely his fault. But Adam Gase is just a train wreck. Um, Horrible. He's a terrible coach. Uh, the Dolphins, zero and two. I they're not making the playoffs, but the Dolphins are going to be good. They're they really put two in. I don't think until the middle of the season. Fitz is still playing pretty damn good. Yeah, because he's I mean, he didn't get a preseason. They don't there's no reason to rush him, especially if they're bad, like no reason to rush, but that roster's coming along for sure. Like there is a lot of talent. Watching them play this week, you could see all the talent on the field. They get another receiver next to Devontae Parker. Um solidify that offensive line a little bit. They'll be good. Uh the Bengals, 0-2 team. Definitely not making no, not, not not enough defense, not enough. Not enough offensive line. I don't. I want to be up on Joe Burrow, but I just don't think it happened. That's the thing. It'll it'll be fun to watch Joey B the whole uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think everyone around the league is rooting for Joe Burrow to have a good year. Mm-hmm. And I just, but you're on the Bengals, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah he, and I, and I hate like this is the most. This sounds like a stupid comment, <laughs> but it sucks that the worst teams in the league draft. I know. Number one. Yeah, because like, it's not even like... Because you see the best players from the from college football coming in to these teams who clearly just don't know how to develop players. Just bad it's, organizations. It's painful to watch. Just bad Correct. organizations, yeah. And the Bengals have been a bad organization for a while. Consistently. Yeah. So, but Joey B might be their savior, and he's definitely got... He definitely has the potential, that's for sure. The Houston Texans, we, we think that there's a shot that they could still make the playoffs. Um, we talked a bunch about them earlier, but it's really just – that's a bet on Deshaun Watson, right? 
Yeah, I mean, the Houston Texans, of all the teams that are 0-2, they are the best team that is 0-2, I think. Yeah. Because if I there think was an 0-2 tournament, the Texans would be the favorite. Correct. Because I think that you look at these teams, and you just look at who the Texans have played. Week one, you open up with Kansas City. And, like, the team that's favored to win the AFC. Okay, so you go to week two, and who do you play? The number two team to win the AFC. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's just not, like it's not an accurate break. It's not an accurate uh, viewpoint of their season. I don't think until they start getting really into their schedule and get to play some of these. Yeah, worst, and I, I'm, some I'm of the worst still teams. not putting any. I'm still not putting any faith in Bill O'Brien, but I still think that the rate or the Texans have a chance. They need to put it together with their receivers, and they have hope. Yeah, I I, I trust Deshaun Watson with my life, so I think that dude. Can, I think I think that dude can make something out of nothing, almost on the field all the time, and just with this team, um, just definitely look out for them. The Giants, that's just sad. We we don't really got to go in depth on the Giants, but it, we'll miss Saquon all year for sure. Saquon get healthy. Um, that was that was not fun to watch last Sunday for sure. All the injuries last week just were brutal. Very sad. It was terrible. Um, and staying in the NFC East, we talked about the Eagles a bunch earlier. I think I don't think this is a pick for the wild card. I think if they are going to make the playoffs, it's going to be them winning their terrible division again. But I, I'm still holding out hope that Carson maybe figures it out just enough to uh, to win that division. I hope he does, but I'll, I'll be surprised. Miles Sanders. Yeah, it's got to have lean to on Miles Sanders. Sanders. You want to take us home with the rest of these teams here, buddy? Yeah, might as well. I'm going to say the Vikings. I hate to, I hate to be leading on Kirk Cousins to be the guy who's going to come out and win you some well, games. So is this, I think this, that when you look at keep go going, ahead. Sorry, no, keep going. I just think when you look at the rest of these teams, I think the Vikings. They've been there before, mm-hmm. and I think that. Their defense still should be good, right? Who do they lose? Like they well, should Dan, still Daniel be Daniel Hunter defense. being hurt right now definitely hurts for them. But I just think it's because they're off. I mean, their defense didn't play terrible last week. They, that was just an ugly ass football game. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's going to take some time for them to adjust. Mm-hmm. I think missing Stephon Diggs and That's, having Adam Thielen as your only real threat is really bad for your team. And that's what I was going to ask. Uh, ask you because I was like I don't want to just sound like a homer just because I mean my team has Stefan Diggs now and I get to watch him every week but that getting to watch him every week it's like how could the Vikings not be missing that dude because he's always open he's literally always open like you could throw to Stefan Diggs on almost every damn play and Correct. there's no way Thielen isn't missing I think that, you, now all the attention's on him yeah because when you when you pair two guys who could be number ones mm-hmm you, you automatically create a problem for a defense because you're looking to shadow one guy over another because you have to have double coverage on either Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs because they could just rip you for a long play. But now that you only have one of those guys, it makes it a little bit easier. Who's the number two? Yeah, I... Can you name I, one? No, no, I don't even know their other receivers off the top of my head, honestly. And that's 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 where you know it's bad. Correct. <laughs> Justin exactly. Jefferson. I mean, they have Justin Jefferson. They draft him in the first round, but he has and Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's legitimately good as well. But I think you still need to have a solid well, pass threat. That's the thing is we're talking about the Browns earlier and the Raiders earlier about being off schedule. If the 
if the Vikings are off schedule, they are screwed because Kirk Cousins cannot. He's not a. He's never been the guy to just sling it around coming back in a game like that. And yeah, agreed. He had eleven completions on Sunday. Like that's you can't. You can't that's win with that. Talk you can't about win it. with that. You can't win with that. Let's move on from the Vikings. I hope the Vikings figure it out, but I'm more inclined to think that the oh, this zero two team, the next one on the list, is going to make the playoffs. The Lions, yes, at zero and two, with Matthew Stafford. You think that they come back from zero and two to making the playoffs? I don't think that they're going to. I think that they're more likely than the Vikings. I think that they'll head, uh, end up ahead of the Vikings in the standings. I don't think Matt Patricia's seat has ever been this hot in his That's life. Facts. That's facts. Because I don't see if this team continues on the trajectory of blowing leads and just playing bad football. I think you look at Matt Patricia as being someone who may be fired by come week 10. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely on the first coach fire. Him and Adam Gase, I think are the two guys that are like heating, like they're the hottest extremely yeah, on fire um, because that the Lions should be better. Like they should be good. They, their roster is good. Matt Stafford, poor Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford deserves so much better than no Matt Stafford is Mr. Detroit. (laughs) He is, but I just, man, like one year they can't get a team. Like they can't put something together. I really was more excited about it this year, but we'll see that that division. It's, it's, it's a tough division. They beat each other up too. That's part of it. I mean, they really do. Uh, So we'll see going forward with the lines there, but poor, poor Detroit fans. It looks like they might be suffering for a little bit more. And moving on, to the saddest team coming out of week two, <laughs> yeah, the Falcons. Yeah. Do we think that they pull it together after going into? No. <laughs> to put it lightly, I think they could still be a playoff team. I mean, just because there's seven spots and they're going to score, they're going to outscore a lot of teams in a lot of games. Wild card team? Yeah, maybe sneak in there, but that defense is pretty damn atrocious and uh, they clearly don't know how to close games out. And it's just a problem. It's been a problem with Dan Quinn, his whole time as a coach. And it's just, and, and that's the thing. And I, I hate Julio Jones is hurt because apparently um, yeah. re-injured his hamstring. Like they're just, it's, it doesn't look that, good for them. And, and, the, and the worst part is hamstring injuries are something that does not leave you. Mm-mm. Like that's something that sticks with you for a season, at least a season, if not your career, especially an older receiver. Correct. Yeah. And the worst part of it is when we're talking about these 0 two teams making the playoffs, I could see them going with a first round exit very like pretty easily, especially yeah. the Falcons going with getting in, like getting in the playoffs and just getting booted right after they make the playoffs in a yeah. wild card game. Yeah, I don't think they'd make much noise. I just don't. They don't look like a team that's built for the playoffs. Built to be successful in the playoffs. They look like a team that can score a bunch of points in the regular season, have some fun games, and pretty much be done from there. Agreed. Uh, the last two. Go. Go ahead. No, you got it. So moving on, what do you think about the Panthers and what do you think about the Broncos? <laughs> we were both going to say the same thing. I know. Uh, <laughs> Um, the Panthers, well, they're done for because McCaffrey's out for four to six weeks. I mean, there's that, that's going to get ugly in Carolina. He's on the IR. Yeah. IR guarantees at least three weeks. Yeah. So that would put us to week six. But high ankle sprains are a death sentence for most running Lingering. Backs. Lingering yeah. injury. Yeah. 
And um, I love Teddy Bridgewater, love his game, love the fact that he's getting a chance on another team, but I don't think that he's the guy, especially with their receiving core. I think their receiving core is abysmal. Yeah. Yeah, they it's they there's not a lot they they stripped that thing down to the ground basically. They're trying to rebuild and it looked like the first week one, it looked like they could be competitive. They played that good game against the Raiders. Um even last week, I mean against the Bucks, it wasn't a bad game they played against the Bucks, but with McCaffrey out now, they just don't have the talent to have the talent to match up. I agree, hundred percent. And the last team that's zero and two is the Broncos, and with Drew Lock out, Blake Bortles getting signed is the Blake Bortles resurgence. That's their only <laughs> hope, I think. Good for Blake Bortles for getting signed somewhere. Yeah, I I'm don't Blake. see Blake Bortles leading his team to anything spectacular. No, but him getting his shots exciting, this team will not make the playoffs. No, and it's not without Von, without Fawn Miller. Good for them for having Jerry Judy as well. But I, I just, I would be amazed if this team make the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's just it's disappointing with because there was a lot of excitement around that team, and with Drew Lockhart, I mean, now we don't get to see what he really could offer for a full year of their defense. We don't get to really see what they can offer full year. They've been hurt. They've had guys hurt since since preseason. I mean that they, they came in with a mash unit on the defense. So it just, it, they look like there it's a year from hell for them, honestly, um, just injuries. Worst case scenario. Bad luck. Yeah. So tough for the Broncos, but um, yeah, that's our, that's the, that's the group of Owen two teams so far. We, and it's historically extremely tough to make the playoffs. And we really don't have a lot of hope, even, even for these teams that we decided we think could still make the playoffs. I don't really have a lot of hope for any of them making any, you know, actual noise in the playoffs. Agreed. All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Couch Quarterbacks. Follow us at Couch underscore QBs at Twitter. See, I said I would uh, go back and find that actual uh, handle. We'll be we'll be up on Twitter during the games this week. Um, look out for other social media handles and other new stuff coming towards you guys. But enjoy the week of football, everybody. Enjoy week three.